All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Gestalt Education Show. Uh, today we are in Boca Raton, Florida. So we are at HealthFit Chiropractic with our special guest, Kevin Christie. So uh, we just got done with an exercise one, yep. DNS exercise one, Brett was teaching. Uh, we're celebrating with a couple seltzers, so, which right. is pretty prime for our podcast. <laughs> uh, usually we've had a couple more than, than what we're having right now. But uh, anyway, so uh, today I'm really excited to kind of sit down because, Kevin, I know you as the marketing guru for chiropractors as the the coach for chiropractors for the the coach of modern chiropractors but brett kind of knows you as someone different right so <clears throat> i know kevin is a is a former student of mine he was obviously one of my one of my great students but also uh really known for his skill set in like active release and soft tissue great at manipulation great at rehabilitation and then you know he's really kind of carved his path in the in the world of nfl so he's worked at the combine what'd you say kevin uh, 10 years yeah. yeah so 10 years so you know he has seen and worked on a lot of elite athletes he's kind of got a reputation in our generation of just being a great chiropractor but I guess the irony is in this younger generation, they only know, like, they, they don't even know that you can treat well. That's what's so funny. Well, and uh, the thing, I guess, for me, what's so fascinating, what's so awesome is the whole point of Gestalt Education is we want the best people in the world on here. And obviously, you fit in that category because of what you've done maybe later in your career, but uh, for me especially. But so, where did all this start? Like, yeah. you, you, you referenced kind of skill stacking, but where did the skill stacking start uh, after clinical practice to get you into this? And maybe to find skill stacking first yeah I'll that's do that. such a great point i'll do that um I, I can't think of the author but he talked about skill stacking and the key differentiator differentiator i want to make sure is that if your chiropractor is doing very well and then you decide to invest in like you know airbnbs or something that could be a skill but that's not stacking upon the skill of say chiropractic whereas you can stack other skills that would actually benefit you in your professional career that will then make you unique right and there's another book out there called range i'm not sure if you heard of that yeah, epstein exactly epstein it's a similar type of thing where we think of the person that's a savant in one thing which is great you know there's definitely some people that are out there that just can really focus on that but let's just assume you're not them there's this other path you can take where you can have range in things or you can stack skills that will position you uniquely in whatever profession you're in and so that's something that I remember reading about a few years ago, and I didn't know about it when I started to do it. But yeah, I was clinical first. You know, I graduated in 05. I, I, I learned from you. I was lucky to be able to learn from you when you were a student because you were a club, MPI yeah. club, and I was in that. And then obviously you taught a biomechanics course that I was a student in. And then just from MPI courses and all, that was great. And I was gung-ho with clinical. I had a lot of success with that. And I got lucky being in South Florida. I think, you know, one of the things I've had people ask me before were, you know, how do I work with NFL players? And, you know, they'll be in, I always tell a joke, is like, they'll be in like Iowa. It's like, well, you're probably not going to work with NFL players in <laughs> Iowa, right? And it's like maybe other sports, but yeah. probably not NFL players. I happened to get really lucky. I'm from South Florida. I moved down here and I got an opportunity to work in a training facility that was, was working with them. And so I was thrown into the fire early on. And I was all clinical until from, you know, age 26 to about 31. And I opened up my own practice. And I was still fully clinical. I've, I, I, I pride myself on that. But really the transition to answer your question was I built my practice in 2010, my own practice in 2010, in network with insurances. And then insurances in the state of Florida got really bad. So I needed to figure out a way to go out of network at the same time, stay busy enough and, and have a business. So I, I had joined something called Strategic Coach, was which was an entrepreneur coaching group. Right. So that'll be my... My first skill that I, I really try to stack upon clinical was how to have an, a business mindset. So it's not necessarily knowing the finances or the cash flow or investing in this or that. It's just actually having the mindset of an entrepreneur to where you know it may be scary to make this decision or open this practice or hire or change your practice from in-network to out-of-network. But you have the confidence and the mindset to do it because of what you're learning from the best entrepreneurs. So that was my my next skill. And in that, they talked about, that was 2013. They talked a lot about strategic byproducts of being a member of that group. And one of them happened to be marketing. And I heard of a guy named Joe Polish who was a carpet cleaner. So I, it resonated with me because he was someone that, that had a carpet cleaning business 
that was failing, that he had to learn marketing and he ended up turning his carpet cleaning into a successful business. And then he taught other carpet cleaners and he taught other What was the secret owners. of what, like what, what did he do? Yeah, he, he got really, really clear on his messaging and he did a good job of educating people. He, he always called it education-based marketing. And then I was kind of formally trained under the Content Marketing Institute. So I think where chiropractors can bridge this gap of thinking marketing is a dirty word is if you think of yourself first as an educator in your community and then you try to educate as many people as you can, that's actually marketing. That's content marketing and it's an invisible form of marketing where your audience, your end user, your patient, whoever, does not feel like they're being marketed to. So I think that's the key concept of what I try to talk to chiropractors about. Chiropractors who are good at this, they, and I mean, it doesn't matter what you're selling. I feel yeah. like this is such a, like, you are not pushing the potential customer. You're yeah. nudging them and they don't realize it's happening. Yeah. I think the other thing, Kevin, it's so important for that is you have to believe in yourself that you're creating all this. So what I find with a lot of the younger chiropractors, they, they're not even certain, like, like inconfident in what they're doing. So therefore, it's not conveyed to the to the patient because the patient can read it. Yeah, for sure. Confidence is huge. And, and like a humble confidence is really important. One of the things I try to teach chiropractors the difference of is, is like you want to compel them to make a decision, not convince them mm. to make a decision, right? And that's a key distinction because if you're trying to convince them in a certain way, it's almost like you haven't really con- even convinced yourself. You're really trying to... Uh, manipulate them in a sense to buy into whatever you're trying to sell versus if you're really bought into your model of care your system you know what works your clinical evidence that you've had in practice then you're able to compel them and guide them and that's a big distinction between the the other end of the profession that we concern ourselves of like where they're selling you know three-year care plans and five thousand dollar care plans without even knowing them we've gone too far, right? We, we've done it to where we, we don't even guide them at all. So we're just trying to compel them to make an accurate decision based on all the facts. And that's educating someone, right? Whether you're a teacher in school and you're trying to educate them in, in math, or if you're a doctor and you're just trying to educate the community or your patients, you're just trying to give them all the facts to that compels them to make the right decision without having to convince them otherwise of the of 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 what your beliefs are right so i think that's key i think the evidence-based group they're so guilty of falling under the trap of the old school chiropractic well they kept me coming back like that whole thing Mm -hmm. and because of that scar that has existed for so many years this new evidence-based group they're so afraid that they're going to fall into that camp that they grossly undertreat their patients. They do, and they do a disservice to the patient. <clears throat> they set a false expectation even you know, for themselves. And, and then ultimately, what ends up happening in that scenario is the patient either gets out of pain temporarily or they don't get the results they want and they, and they stop coming back. So then they, they don't become an advocate for you in your practice, right? Because you didn't see them through to the finish line, right. correct? And I think that's a, that's a big, big missing component for a lot of chiropractors. And it's like a silent, silent killer of their practice. What about, Kevin, so you're kind of describing like building raging fans, mm-hmm. right? You want people that are literally shouting from the rooftops. Yeah. So you've, uh, through modern chiropractic marketing, mm-hmm. through the CSA, you've worked with so many chiropractors. What do you feel like is the one differentiator or the common commonality Across between the yeah the, between yeah. chiropractors that build those raging fans yeah. those people that are like just blowing their practices or the people that are mm-hmm. maybe treating lots of patients but not getting yeah. the referrals and stuff so let's uh let's just say clinical is the table stakes for entry right so everybody's fine clinically because if you're not fine clinically that's going to be the problem sure. but let's just say that's the table stakes for this conversation and, and everybody's good clinically uh, i do think it's the lack of positioning yourself in the community as an expert and that can be for people that do know you or don't know you and so you don't have enough people that say um, you got to go see uh, my chiropractor right so I actually was in uh, Dallas two days ago speaking at Parker and I mentioned this because it was mostly students in my class and I said the difference between 
being the person that is their chiropractor or when they say you got to go see my chiropractor versus oh yeah i went to this chiropractor like six months ago and he he was he was good you know he's fine like that's a big problem if you don't have enough people saying you got to go see my chiropractor and to be able for them to do that again we're putting the clinical side that's got to be there you've got to form relationships with them in their communication trust right like we're not talking about going to have beers with your patients and stuff like that but that's that's fine within reason <laughs> within reason right within reason uh, don't have two bottles of wine like we did before this podcast, but have a beer uh, so but ultimately like you got to have good conversations with them you got to be able to level with them you, you got to build trust with them and again you have to have conviction with what you're saying look them in the eye have a good conversation with them and i think if you do that again with a good clinical that's where you'll have a lot of advocates. And, and I keep on using that word advocate because I just recently interviewed this guy, Joey Coleman, who wrote the book, Never Lose a Customer Again. But he's yeah. actually very knowledgeable about the chiropractic profession. Uh, Jay Greenstein, who I reference a lot, in, introduced me to him. I heard Joey speak at the Florida Chiropractic Association in Orlando a month ago. And he's got this like eight-step process from taking a new patient or a new customer to an advocate stage, right? And, it, and he says it takes 100 days. I don't know if that's what it takes in chiropractic. I think it's a little bit longer. I think it takes a treatment plan, mm-hmm. right? A, a normal treatment plan, not three visits. Uh, so I think it takes a treatment plan to develop them through that process. And there's multiple stages that I, I'm not gonna be able to get into right now, but you have to do a good job of getting them into that advocate stage where they recommend you because they felt like you had their best interest in mind and they got the results. And it's more than just, um, you know, convincing them that they have to come in for a certain amount of time. It's, it's actually compelling them and having that clinical side of things. And I think I've heard Brett speak enough and you could probably have the same stories of how many times your best referral source is someone you didn't help or yeah. someone that yeah. you referred on. I mean, yeah. everybody's got that story. Yeah. And so I think yeah. to your point of like, not just training them three times and getting them out of mm-hmm. pain. I mean, everybody appreciates that, but yeah. you know, we talked a bunch of in DNS of like those patients that you see three visits and you, you know, they have a, a derangement that you fix with press ups, and then yeah. what's going to happen? Right, they're going to relapse, right? And yeah. so then it, uh, you always say the the reason that someone comes back to you after a relapse would be your personality. Right. Well, if you maybe don't have that personality. You you got to be there to, to catch them when they fall, pretty right, much. Right, if yeah. I'm kind of hearing you correctly. Yeah, you are, and and you know you bring up a, an interesting topic because uh, I think sometimes we mistakenly set up false expectations for our patients. And Brett had mentioned this during DNS exercise this weekend, where we had the one woman on the table and she had a hip. I think it was an impingement. Mm-hmm. It was something going on with the hip, and you mentioned that look, there's something going on here, but I can improve the function of this hip. And if that gets better, awesome. If it doesn't, then we know it's a structural issue. But you were up front with her and your patients right out of the gates versus saying, oh, I can fix your hip. Overpromising. Yeah, yeah right? right? Like you're overpromising or you're underpromising, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not giving them anything to yeah. understand. Like they left there is like, I don't know what my diagnosis is. I don't know what my treatment plan is. I don't know what to expect. And so you have not leveled with them. If you level with them, you don't set up false expectations. And I think false expectations, one way or the other, right? Overpromise, underpromise, can be a real big problem for most chiropractors. I'd like to take this maybe a, a little bit of a, a different stretch now. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've been doing a podcast for nine months now, basically. Yeah. You've been doing one for four straight years. Yeah. You haven't missed a week. And so, um, but that's built on chiropractic marketing. Yeah. And so let me ask you um, in this age of influencer, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. social media, yeah. The clients that you're coaching, how big does social media play into that? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the other types of marketing that are really good for chiropractors? And, and like, where, where does that go? Yeah, so I'm a content marketing guy, right? And so content marketing is is defined very well by Joe Polizzi, who founded the Content Marketing Institute. Interesting story with him, and we talked about it over lunch. He founded a company called that, which taught that, right? So it was very meta. Started from scratch and he sold it for $30 million. So he was doing something right. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but he's doing something right. So I learned from that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it's a strategic approach where you're really trying to create and distribute valuable and consistent content, right? So it's got to be valuable. 
and then you have to do it consistently. That's going to really attract and retain people or an audience, and that's going to drive profitable customer action. Like right? that, we're in a business. We hate to admit that as doctors, but we need to make a business out of it, right? We like. Brett, you've got a a very well-developed practice. If there was not revenue coming in, could you have the level of team you have right now? No. Okay. (laughs) So if you didn't have the level of team you have right now, do you think your patients would suffer from that? Yes. Right? So if it was just you and it was just a front desk, do you think – and nothing against the chiropractors that are at that right now, but if you couldn't – put this team around that you have, do you could you provide as much no. as you're ignorant, right? And it takes money to do that. It doesn't mean you have to take pictures on Instagram with your Ferrari, right? But it just means you have to have margin. Like I think we don't understand that term margin too much. And unfortunately it's harder in chiropractic right now with some of the insurances to have margin where you you know, I, I talk to chiropractors that are actually busy, right? Like they, they're maxed out and they're, they can't afford to hire. That's a tough situation. That means you have a margin problem. And, and that's a, a whole other topic, but you have to make a business out of this. And so I think really good marketing does that. And then I, and then I try to get to know the person if I'm talking to them. It's like, are you a very extroverted, comfortable with attention, comfortable with getting out there? comfortable with public speaking, comfortable with posting, and you want to blow up your Instagram, it's going to really serve you well, right? Like there's some some doctors out there that are doing really good on these platforms because they are comfortable with them. But I don't do that, right? Like I am not, I'm an introvert by nature. I'm kind of that ambivert they talk about where it's like I can talk, I can put on a show and everything, but it wears me out after a certain while. So you'll find me in a corner afterwards right given a choice you'd rather be by yourself that's I'd how rather i be, know yes. <laughs> yeah exactly like i'd rather be reading a book and out in the backyard and and, and doing that so but with that said is like you got to know where you're at right just like you got to know where the patient's at you got to know where you're at where marketing is and i've done a good job of marketing knowing and having self-awareness that i'm not going to be that person on tiktok and instagram much but what i'm going to do what I'm very comfortable with doing is educating and, and getting out there and putting a lot of information out there that people can digest. And then inherently they will, like I'll position myself well enough to where they say, okay, well, he must know what he's talking about because he's consistently putting out content. And so to answer your question, social media is important. It can be done very differently, yeah. right? right? And all social media is is actually a distribution channel for your educational content, in my mind. Now, you could run ads on it, a traditional ad, right? Like just where you're just promoting something, that's fine. You, you can sprinkle that in. But you've got to look at yourself as providing value, and they'll, the reciprocity will come from that. It sounds like content marketing is more of like a little bit of a long game. It's kind of like farming a little yeah. bit. Like you're putting information out, and your return on investment might not be tomorrow, but yeah. you're basically like building like this brand if you will to where like the next time this potential customer Mm -hmm. consumer would need that service they're going to know to come to you versus like some like of the you know the more of the traditional chiropractic marketing is like trying to get them in like right now like for what you just described is the difference between a strategy and a tactic Okay, and I remember uh, when I spoke at Parker Vegas, Bill Morgan interviewed me afterwards, and we talked about typically the tactics are like a sugar high, right? Where it's like a short spurt and it's going to fall down. And so, too many chiropractors are doing tactics, and so that's why their practice is like that kind of peak and valley, peak and valley constantly, and they never have that consistent sustainability and growth. And so, if you apply a strategy, yeah, it's going to be a little bit long term, and you could sprinkle in some tactics for sure. There's nothing wrong with campaigns and, and strategies and tactics combined, but you need the bedrock of a strategy for long term sustainability, right? And so, for for example, um, I started the Facebook group for Modern Carpet Marketing in, in July of 2016. I didn't make a dollar off that till July of 2018 when Bobby and I launched CSA. So it took two years to monetize and that, and it was just because I was just serving an audience for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I started the podcast in April of 2017, based off the off the Facebook group, and it just was like, you know, I'm gonna try to educate chiropractors, evidence based or evidence informed chiropractors, on the fact that marketing is not a dirty word. You can do it right. You can do it to where they don't feel like they're marketed to. 
You can grow your practice. There's nothing wrong with making a good living. You're a doctor. You went to school for eight years. We don't have to have this poverty mindset. Mm -hmm. And so we we really just started a lot, a lot with marketing. And then it's kind of morphed into, like with my collaboration with, with Bobby Maybe and, and CSA, and obviously he's with FTCA, has been also a business component because it's almost hard to talk about marketing without business. It's hard to talk about business without marketing. It's, mm-hmm. It kind of flows with each other. And so we've done a lot to combine those two with, with that. Funny story, when I when we pulled into Boca Raton this weekend, I pulled oh, up my great. Facebook page. You're going to love it. I scrolled down literally one scroll and up pops a health fit chiropractic ad, ad for Facebook. So this yeah. is a hot topic right now because social media is changing probably mm-hmm. more in the last, say, six months than it yeah. has in the last 20 years. And mm-hmm. so... Do you find yourself shying people away from the social media thing and more mm-hmm. toward the intangibles of an email list and a good website, stuff like that? Uh, my, my wife is a marketing yeah. you know, guru, and she always says, like, we don't own anything on social media. Yeah. Do, you, do you buy into that? Is that uh, like, it's the we're, smartest we're, thing she's ever told you. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's owned land and there's rented land. Yeah. And so you really want to build your marketing on owned properties, right? Your website, your email, your physical mail. Those are three. A podcast is, is some people will say it's, it's, it's rented because it's like Apple or Spotify. But there are so many platforms you could run your podcast on. Your podcast is yours. So I count podcasts as an own property. Mm-hmm. And so you want to build your, your, your house on owned land. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've built it on rented land, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. You just got to start doing things that get information from them to where they get transferred from a rented property to an owned property okay so that's a key distinction and I, again I talked about this in my talk yesterday with Parker two days ago with Parker I built my practice health fit with the hub and spoke model which is the hub is my website like it's really a living breathing thing yeah. that generates a lot of content and a lot of referrals through Google and then the spokes are like email, Google, uh, social media, I mean, all the different ART website we talked about earlier. So those are spokes off that hub. Well, I built the MCM or Modern Chiropractic Marketing off of more of a uh, podcast model, right? Mm-hmm. So the podcast is really the driver of my, my business, but also the Facebook group. So the podcast is owned and the Facebook group is rented because they can change the dynamics anytime they want to. And so I've done everything I can to get people to the podcast and then from the podcast to, say, email or whatever. And so if you're listening to this and you're on my email, yes, that's what I did to you. <laughs> so, well, I mean, that's, there, that's a hidden agenda with Gestalt, too. I mean, that's yep. that's a part of it. We need, we want people to be aware of our courses that we're having, yep. this online stuff. And so the mm-hmm. podcast is a great way to, to warm people up for that. Yes. No different than a, yep. a, a, someone in your community. You need to warm them up mm-hmm. to the idea of coming to see yep. you. They don't see an ad for Health Fit Cairo and yep. say, Oh my God, yep. this is exactly what I'm looking for. Let's yep. go, right? I mean, it's there's exactly. a warming up process. But you'll see with a lot of those ads is, is, is I want to just make a key distinction and I want to follow up what you said is that there's a difference between an ad on Facebook ads and then there's a difference between paid content distribution mm-hmm. through Facebook ads. And so we shoot a really well-developed 8 to 12-minute video on conditions that goes on to YouTube and all these other things and it's directly uploaded to Facebook and then it's geo-targeted, which is why you got it when you moved or you came down here. You didn't get it when you were in Missouri. Miami, yeah. Or Miami, even. So there's a strategy around that. And we did it around different conditions, right? So we, we kind of looked at it as like, you know what? How many of our patients or, or the general population around my city know that I treat plantar fasciitis or Achilles tendonitis or shoulder impingement? They, a lot of times, chiropractors fail to realize because we live in this bubble of chiropractors and they think that, of course, everybody knows we treat TMD. Or they even know what TMD is, right? <laughs> right. Like, how many lay people know what TMD is? None. Yeah, I, I got TMJ. <laughs> I was going to say, how many is they, they know TMJ? So sometimes you even have to, like, bite the freaking bullet and say, I'm going to run a video on TMJ, mm-hmm. not TMD. Or and sciatica. It, or yeah, or exactly. But then in the video, highlight that, right? It's like, mm-hmm. look, this is really TMD, and you can talk about TMD. But obviously, we hear about TMJ, so you want you got to speak to your audience, right? So, 
just a little sidebar on that. But ultimately, we're, we're trying to get videos or blogs, like basically educational content that's paid because unfortunately with Facebook nowadays, you're just not going to get the free exposure anymore unless you're doing more like Facebook groups <coughs> or you've got this just really large audience, which is hard as chiropractors now. So you got to put a little money behind it, right? It doesn't have to be a lot. We spend 500 a month on Facebook ads, but it's targeted. We spend half of it on people like you that are in the area, right? Maybe not you because you came in town, but it right. happens. You can't, yeah, it you can't distinguish it. But then the other one that we do, we spend another 250 on, is we take our email list, funnel it right into Facebook, which actually if you have MailChimp, I'm not plugging MailChimp. I'm, I'm not uh, cool enough to be paid by them. Right? <laughs> um, so you go into audience on Facebook and they actually connect right they can connect right to your MailChimp account. So where you just put your plug it your, your oh. password, username in Facebook and all your emails will funnel into Facebook as an audience. So if as long as their email address is affiliated with that Facebook account, so if it's like their work email, it's not going to. So if you put in three thousand emails, maybe fifteen hundred go into an audience. And these are patients that already know, like and trust you. But maybe they don't know you treat plantar fasciitis. So if you run a video of plantar fasciitis to them, they start to say, oh, okay. Not only do they treat foot pain, I assume they can make the connection. I'm sure he treats knee pain. I'm sure he treats Achilles pain, calf pain, strain my hamstring, right? Like, so they can, they can usually connect the dots. So that's a strategy that we're doing with, Mm -hmm. with Facebook for sure. So it's more about a paid content marketing distribution in that regard versus versus like we're running an ad like Don Draper from from Mad Men, right? Right. Like, this is Health Fit Cairo. We're in Boca Raton. It's $27 all-you-can-eat chiropractic. Right. Well, I mean, my wife, actually, she was a broadcast journalism major and then, like, ended up in public relations. Yeah. And what she always tries to convince me of is the difference between advertising and public relations. And she always tells me, like, yeah. what I'm, what we're trying to do is basically public relations. Yes. It's like, yeah. when you think ketchup, you think Heinz. So Heinz isn't necessarily running a 50% off campaign. They instead have like instilled their public relations department is so good to where like you almost, the second you think ketchup, you think Heinz. In the world of doctoring, I think James Andrews, the famous orthopedic surgeon, like if you look at the ESPN ticker, it doesn't say they saw the orthopedic surgeon. They said they saw James James Andrews. Andrews. So like in... In as far as relationship collateral, I feel like James Andrews has got a great reputation. Yeah. He's tri- you know he's treated everybody so well along yeah. the way, which is not always what we see out of the orthopedic surgeon model. But yeah. because of that, he is like you know created this PR that is out of this world. Yeah. And uh, and I think a lot of people that would be listening to this, mm-hmm. they are working on their public relations campaign. Not necessarily. Yeah. We're not really in the group of like. Nothing against the joint, but I mean that's not what we do. I mean yeah. we're not we're not here to like say we're giving you adjustment for fifteen dollars. You know, like that's just not our our model. But instead, we're trying to instill quality, and yeah. you do that through public relations. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's a, it's a great great way of saying. Or it. content marketing is it is it? I think you're saying the same thing when you it's say content. It's similar marketing. for sure. Like there can be some offshoots of PR versus content, but yeah, like. If you did a public speaking event in your community on something, that's going to be content. It's just in-person content. But that's also PR, right? There's definitely crossover. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And then there could be some other things that, like, just to get on the PR topic for a second, other entities could spotlight you, right? That would be PR for you, but you didn't provide content. Does that make sense? Totally. Yes. Right. So yeah. there, there can be some crossover. Showing up to a charity event, donating yeah. money, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. PR. Exactly. So that's definitely something that can happen, right? And um, But PR is phenomenal. Like, it's, it's really good. And, and it kind of also has a little bit of overlap with social proof, right? Mm-hmm. So if you've done something really cool in your community, you want to spotlight that, you know, humble brags. Like, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with yeah. that. Like, it just depends. Uh, I think we as doctors... Um, and this could be controversial. I do think we have to hold ourselves to a different standard than non-doctors, right? Like I think we need to, we, we, people expect a little bit of different from doctors. Mm -hmm. Would you agree to that? Yes. Right. Like you can't be promoting yourself in a way that's unsavory. You have to have a different level. Like it's just different, right? Like, right. I think that's something that you can't of, exactly be barstool sports because you you've got to. Yeah, it's got to be a notch above. Like it. if you went around town doing pizza tasting 
things keg stands. and keg stands. <laughs> Probably not going to be a practice driver. <laughs> but, Good thing we're doing this for other chiropractors, yes. not patients, right? <laughs> but Barstool Sports sold for a lot of money, so mm-hmm. like, he's doing something right. But he's not a doctor, right? Yeah. So there's just there's there is a little bit of a difference, I think. So now I there's just... going to be a question. Sorry, no, go ahead. There's going to be a question from a lot of young chiropractors out there because you brought up Epstein's book range. Yeah. So the the big debate right now is do you go a mile deep or do you go a mile wide? And yeah. the whole book and the book that you that you referenced is you you might want to consider going a mile wide because it allows you to be more diversified in what you may be doing. That's not the more popular thought previously. Yeah. Like yeah. 10 years ago it was you need to do a deep dive in something. Let's talk about ART for example. Mm-hmm. Like you could go, I'm the ART doc of yeah. this area, therefore I just only want to attract that. Yeah. You know, or you could be like, I'm the MDT doc. If you're not in my classification, then I can't help you, but I'm just gonna, you know, thrive and do amazing. Yeah. So I'm just gonna attract the people that are looking for this service. Yeah. Or Kevin, do you think it what is your take on like this young doc who's like being inundated with so many different things? Yeah. Do you think it's better to deep dive into something initially just to kind of get your feet wet and then you're adding these other things or do you think you want to like try to like really diversify yourself in all these other different things? Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm a big reader. I know you guys are and I've read a lot. Of, you know, like people have read the 10,000 hour rule, right? Where you, you got to be doing something a lot. And, and I think there are cases of very unique human beings where they can go extremely deep on something, right? Like I don't need Tom Brady skill stacking a lot of things, right? Right. I don't need, you know, musicians skill stacking a lot of things. Like I, they just have a unique talent that's otherworldly, right? So let's just... Just just ride that out, bro. (laughs) Exactly, right? Like, and so I, I forget what book it was, but he said he's like, the, the, the phrase he said is like, let's just assume you're not them, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, That's saying it's that way, but, yeah, but it's it, like, you are. Yeah. So it's like, stop comparing yourself to Michael Jordan, right? <laughs> right. Like, let's just not do it, okay? So That's I, bullshit. I, I think it's a mistake people make is like yeah. they they put themselves in comparison to things that's really hard that's to really do, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just assume you're not them and that, you aren't going to have some kind of just oddity, right? We're talking about winning a lottery type of skill mm. that all you can do is do that and make $30 million a year. So put that aside <laughs> and we're still going to work on our craft, but we're going to realize is like, I'm, and another thing I, I wish, God, there's, there's always that question is like, you know, I'm 41 now. So you're, you're, we're at that age, Brett. I know you're not yet, Taylor. You're at that age where I love this age. Because my self-awareness is like through the roof, right? <laughs> right? Like if you would ask me when I was 25, I was like, yeah, I could have been a pro athlete. <laughs> now I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You were 5'9 and you were a buck 65, right? Yeah, like, you're not even a chance. Yeah, it's like you're a good high school baseball player. Like stop it. Right? So there's this whole thing of self-awareness. And I wish I could go back to my 25-year-old self when I was graduating and say, you know what? Take your time. Okay, just it's going to work out. If you put the work in, it's going to work out for you. You know, like it's not going to happen at 28. It's not going to happen at 30. But the shit that I got done in the last like eight years Mm -hmm. is pretty cool because I, going back to the skill stack, was like I didn't put the cart before the horse. I got the clinical down enough. Like I was good. I'm like, I'm not you. I'm not like, I, I won't claim to be the greatest clinician, but I was very effective to work with enough pro athletes that were, I did that really, really hard for six years, and then I kept up with it well, like very well. But then when I opened up my own business, I realized I had a shortcoming with business, so I joined Strategic Coach, then I realized I had a shortcoming with marketing, so I did that. Then I realized I had a shortcoming with communication, and and my actual um, solution for my communication issue was to jump into podcasting, mm-hmm. which sounds crazy, right? Because force you into. Yeah. yeah, it forced me into it, because a lot of people would say, well, I'm not good at communication, why would I do a podcast? I'm like, that doesn't make sense. You should be good at communication before you do a podcast. Well, there's a concept that Strategic Coach talks about is the four C's, mm-hmm. which is you you really got to make the commitment to do something 
And then you have to have the courage to stick it out. And he uses example. It's like the difference between the, the guy in war that goes into the bullets and the guy that runs away is courage. We all have fear, right? Like sure. both those dudes had fear. I don't care if you're running into the fire or you're running away from them. There was fear involved, but one had courage. The other one probably rightfully so didn't <laughs> like yeah. i'm not gonna say i wasn't in the military no different so. than a tough patient walking into yeah, your door so do you shy away or do you yeah. exactly but it's like you have to have the courage to stick with the commitment and then that develops a capability right and then if you stick with the capability long enough you end up having confidence in it mm-hmm. so that's the four c's and it becomes this perpetual cycle right just like if you went into chiropractic school, you made the commitment because you knew you were going to spend a lot of money <laughs> and you had the courage to go through it and you graduated and now you had somewhat of a capability. And if you were good enough to stick with it, you ended up with confidence, clinical confidence we talk about, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the four C's as a chiropractor. And then there was four C's with me trying to fix my communication issue. And that was the podcast. I made a commitment and I had the courage to, to, to hit the record button like you guys have done, right? This is not easy. Mm-hmm. And then it became a capability. And now I feel pretty confident after four years. Like you talked about, it's been about four years. So I think if you apply that to wherever your struggle is currently, if you have the self-awareness. And so I know some of the people listening aren't in our 40s like you and I, Brett, where maybe self-awareness starts coming with age and you start to understand yourself. But if you can adri- be honest with yourself, and, and be patient with yourself and start to realize, you know, like I think most chiropractors out there can, if they're honest with themselves, they can pinpoint the big domino that is holding them back from a thriving practice. Let's just mm-hmm. put that. We won't talk about other things in life, but just from a thriving practice, they can usually be honest with themselves. They won't tell it to other people or whatever, but they can be honest with themselves. So if you can go head in with the four C's onto that one big domino, that could be the thing that starts that skill stack kind of trickle effect Mm -hmm. to where you look back and you're now 41 and you said, you know what? Thank God I did that. Otherwise, I might have been on a a bad path. So long-winded way of saying it, but that's kind of what happened for me. Yeah, that's awesome. I think too, like uh, just being open to something new. Is such a tough thing for chiropractors. Yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah. tough for human beings. So, um, well, then, what about? Um, so you you've been involved with uh, modern chiropractic marketing, yeah. the CSA. I mean, you've basically been with the chiropractors. So then, what about my generation of chiropractors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was lucky enough. I'm in a great uh, you know associate position. Mm-hmm. I get paid like shit, but you know, <laughs> no, it, it, like it, it, it never happens. I, yeah, I know. I know, I know, I know the reality is that. No, I got to make two hundred grand first. Year but I want to say something really quick. I I overheard a conversation earlier today, and I wasn't part of the conversation, but I overheard it. I know the amount of visits you're seeing in a week. And I know you've worked really hard to do that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you're doing fine. No, I, because I'm you worked hard. Because and, you worked hard. And I'm just joking about that. But like, yeah. so what about a student coming out? I mean, this is yeah. something that we struggle with. We struggle to coach people on this. Yeah. We struggle to communicate. Chiropractic students right now, the minimum they're walking out with is two hundred thousand dollars in debt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The average income in Missouri for chiropractor oh, sixty five. It's, like, it's sixty. Yeah. Sixty basically. grand. Sixty grand. So, I mean, it's frustrating because all three of us have benefited from chiropractic. I believe yeah. chiropractic is the greatest profession on the earth. I love it to death. I it, I would, like, be so lost if I didn't have that in my mm-hmm. life. So, like, how do we – I mean, we – I'll put myself in the leaders. You two as yeah. leaders in this profession. How do we continue to bridge that gap? Like, where where does or marketing like Lynn play says, into that? You know? Lynn says we all deserve to make a professional income for what we're doing. Chiropractic's interesting in that usually if you're the best baseball player, you're going to make the most money. If you're the best orthopedic surgeon, typically you're going to make the most money. Mm-hmm. Chiropractic's really odd in that yeah. sometimes the financials aren't rewarding for yeah. you know what you're what you're delivering. Um, so the number we always talk about MPI that I, I our basement number is six figures after three years. Mm-hmm. I'd be really curious to hear your opinion. So. Yeah. And I know cost of living in yeah. Boca Raton is a little different than Troy, for example. But, like, what do you want your typical client? I mean, I know it's kind of an awkward topic, and I hate yeah. to put you on the spot. But, I mean, what it, what it, what do you expect them to make? As a, I love the six figures thing. Yeah. And I do think it's a period of time. And, and so I think one thing chiropractic, young chiropractors need to understand is that how old were you when you graduated? 
25. I was 25. I was no, very 26. I was a very tail end of 25. You're probably 25, 26. Yep, 20, 26. Yep. Most doctors, after they graduate from medical school, go into a residency, mm-hmm. right? And and it can be a few years or it can be even longer. I had dinner with a neurosurgeon a few weeks ago. He was like 35 by the time he got out, right? Mm-hmm. So, And he wasn't making a lot of money as a resident. And so I want chiropractors that are coming out, your age group, Taylor, you mentioned, to think of the first few years as that, mm-hmm. right? Like I need to find a place where I can grow as a chiropractor, as a communicator, and, and as a person, and then have a path, like you said, Brett, to get to that six figures, okay? So that's, in my opinion, a good situation, right? right. I'd rather, honestly, I'd rather have that situation then go into some personal injury mill where they're going to give me $100,000 that first year, but I'm going to feel like like I want to quit the profession. Right. right? Because I always compare myself to my my friends that I graduated Florida State with, not chiropractors, because we're all, obviously all chiropractors, but my, you get we, we, your undergrad friends, there's such a wide array, right? Like, okay. I've got financial advisors, i got chemical engineers, like, I, mean, I got all the whole thing. I've got buddies making 300000 a year that want to quit their job and move to like Peru and and just like give up on life because they're tired of the shit that they do, okay? And so I'm gonna kind of go back and forth between both what you said was you you talked about your age group, Mm -hmm. Taylor. I feel like your age group has actually got a little more nuance than what they want and money's important. It's kind of like we gotta have a living, but there's also purpose and meaning and mm-hmm. quality of life. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I think it's different than our age group. Because like him and I are both grinders as an yes. example. But Taylor would probably definitely be more respectful of when he needs a break. He knows he needs a break. Whereas like I was definitely like put yeah. my head down just like. Yeah. Like I would. I would go through a divorce because of it, which I did. You know, like I grind right through a divorce. Like, all right, fuck it, we're gonna get divorced, but I'm gonna work 65 hours a week to make this practice happen. That's not a great thing to do, right? Yeah. Looking back on it. But like his generation, every once in a while the stars line up where you have all the best traits of a millennial. Yes. You understand tech. You understand yeah. social media. You're res- you're not gonna like just grind yourself to yeah. the ground, but then you still also have that. Yeah. that little bit of grinding gene that we do need, that grit yes. gene. Yeah. And so, like, I think the millennial, we always pick on them, yeah. but the right millennial is, yeah. like, setting themselves up to be in a perfect place yeah. in the marketplace. I think it's an interesting conversation. I got a story behind it. Um, as a member of Strategic Coach, I'm in a group of usually, like, 40 entrepreneurs. And at this particular one, I was probably 39. So I was one of the younger ones. It's mostly, like, 60 and 65-year-old males at this group. And a couple guys started bashing millennials. And I got up, and I'm not a millennial, I'm a generation X, just like you, Brett. And I got up and I said, What do you think your father, who was a the greatest generation, right, said about you in 1969 when your hair's down to your shoulders, you're smoking dope, you're sleeping with three women at a time, you're burning flags, and you're like shooting people that were, you know, whatever, right? So they were such the baby boomer crowd right now. They were a very, as a general rule, if you go back to the 1960s, like if you know history, that was a very, very like, they call it counterculture, right? Like, so we're always looking at previous generations for their flaws and not what they bring to the table, okay? And the baby boomers had kind of forgotten that a little bit now that the years have gone by. Like, you guys were like, really crazy in the 1960s like assassinations like i mean it was like if you were lucky to keep your head in the 1960s okay so i brought it up and people were like kind of shut up a little bit about it i was like that guy's an asshole (laughs) but i try to look at what's good about the millennials i know there's flaws i know there's flaws about my generation there's flaws about the baby boomers there's always gonna be flaws right but I think what the 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 uh, Taylor crowd brings is this level of efficiency that the older crowd's not used to because in our like we're in a weird Brett and I are in a weird generation they call us like Zillennials mm. where we we're Generation X but we still like we grew up somewhat of, with the computer and all that and we get what's out there whereas the baby boomers maybe not understand like there's just a level of efficiency that didn't exist in 1978 like for you to get a lot done you had to do a ton right now you can actually get a lot done if you're efficient Mm -hmm. and and be effective with it so i want to make sure that we understand that 
the millennial crowd brings a lot to the table and it can be efficiency. So if you're an older doctor listening to this, look at the millennials as a potential of efficiency for your practice and for, for overall benefit of the patient. I look at their generation, not Taylor, but their generation. Mm-hmm. They have lost the art of the apprenticeship, which would be yeah. like you and I, mm-hmm. I would be, if you told me someone was really good at what they're doing, I would go spend a year of my life with them just yeah. to learn from them. I wouldn't be like, I need to be making, like I would just appreciate the opportunity to be able yes. to do that. That generation has seemed to have lost the art of the apprenticeship. However, their generation is way better than my generation at knowing the importance of social media. Mm-hmm. So much so to where, it, and he's taught me a lot, so have you, yeah. Kevin, like on, whereas my generation truly believes it's Bush League to think that you would ever have to do any kind of marketing, any yeah. kind of social media. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why even our podcast has been like taking me so far out of my comfort zone because I'm just not used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, it's kind of interesting just to see like the different generational. Oh, it's, it's stark. And uh, another quick story is I'm, I'm consulting with North Carolina's Chiropractic Association for that same reason was like a lot of their seasoned doctors are finding out that the young doctors coming in town and, and, and like, capturing a lot of patients because they're doing a really good job with marketing and right. with social media and with Google and all the different things out there. So they contacted me to like kind of help their chiropractors out with the, the basics of content marketing and implementing that because um, a lot of young chiropractors are doing a lot of great things. And I think we could all learn from that no matter what generation you're from. Or like our generation, this is another example as far mm-hmm. as stacking, if you, if you will, yeah. for the theme of our conversation today. Um, you know, my generation would never do online dating typically, yeah. but like now I think it's like 25% of marriages now are from mm-hmm. like an online dating site. So like now that's just normal, accepted totally. Yeah. So I think that's a good analogy of like the yeah. world's changing. So, and, and I, I've had to eat a piece of humble pie as far as like the social media and like, you know, like it, this is not ridiculous yeah. to think that you're too good to market yeah. or you're too good to do social media or something. I like got a that. funny one about that. So, um, I'm 5'10". My wife's 5'9". I met my wife on a dating app. And I had gone to Cambodia on a trip just like, I love history. Like I'm all Oh, like, that looked good on paper. Yeah, it was great, right? <laughs> Play guitar. So I, I had taken a picture with our tuk-tuk driver, which is like one of those guys that drives you around. Like my buddy and I were there. And I looked, I took a picture with the tuk-tuk driver. This guy was great. Like he, he knew everywhere we were at. Like he was awesome. So I took a picture with him. I look like a six foot five, <laughs> wide shouldered, lats. Like this dude is a stud, right? Compared to the Cambodian <laughs> guy, and my wife's tall, and so I had put that picture on my profile. That's great marketing. <laughs> That's <laughs> great marketing. That's PR right there. I mean, That's like. That's amazing. So, I just randomly selected the yeah. <laughs> So at least I didn't put any twenty five year old pictures on. There. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, Labor shot. Yeah. So. Show up the first date. Date goes great. Needless to say, we're married. After about three months of dating, she's like, you know, I, I thought you were a lot taller. I was like, really? She's like, yeah, you had that one picture with that. The only other person I put in the picture. <laughs> so, but it mattered. But it, like, I, and I didn't even think of it that way. No, it just was I like, know, I had good hair yeah. that day. You know, like it looked good. So I took a picture. So it worked, right? But that's positioning. 101. Yeah. yeah. So take a picture of the tuck truck driver. But... What I want to say about that, too, because it's, it's an interesting topic, and it, and it goes, uh, it's multidirectional. So the pro- what's the problem with online dating? How Anon- many? It's anonymous. So, uh, let's go back. When you were single, hopefully your wife's not listening, how many dates could you get in a week? Like before, Without social media. no social oh, media, nothing, God. right? <laughs> like we were lucky to get a date in a month, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah. You hope you ran into a person that you found somewhat attractive and you went on a date. One a month. You could have like ten dates a week now, right? So you're, you're, you're like finding trying to find that needle in a haystack because you can go on all these dates, right? And it's the same way with social media marketing if you're not careful because your end user, instead of it being the girl or the guy on the end of Bumble, it's the other person looking for something for their problem, but they're seeing so many options for what could solve the right. issue on social media. It's just this It's like, a numbers game. It's a spray Eventually and pray. Eventually you're going to find somebody yeah. that you... It's a spray and yeah. pray. Right. So how do you cut through the clutter, right? Yeah. Not You don't put yourself next to a Cambodian tuk-tuk driver but. in your chiropractic marketing. 
But you gotta you gotta cut through the clutter and mm-hmm. be different. And honestly, the difference, in my opinion, with good marketing for chiropractors is providing immense value, right? Mm. And and that's the differentiator because all the other chiropractors are putting out crap mm-hmm. on Facebook, and they're checking off the box. I did my social media marketing. I spent my five hundred dollars. Boom, boom, boom. But they're just another one of the 25. They're not the six foot five, five foot ten guy with a Cambodian tuck driver like I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what your content market is. So, to play devil's advocate on yeah. that, what about the Ring Dinger, for example, who obviously has made himself famous and is supposedly on this incredible waiting list because yeah. he's doing something that all of us would agree is pretty egregious, but he's definitely like put his. So, I mean, I always like try to like say, well, what can we learn from like, yeah. you know, like how he's became this like yeah. internet sensation? Assume you're not going to be him. <laughs> you're not Tom Brady. Yeah, you're not Tom Brady. Uh, he's got a weird voice. He's not afraid to say anything he wants to say. It's it's extravagant. Like it's just it's it's um it's just out there, right? And so if you have a conscious as far as a provider, you're gonna draw the line somewhere that's just not gonna get there, right? Right. And so it's it's it, but it's tough. I, I get it. You know, I get it. Like it's, but it's a lesson on social media, I think, yeah. like to see like how powerful yeah. social media is. It is. It going is going all in, yeah. putting it all out there. Not caring about the, the I mean, because I'm sure he gets so much hate mail. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, not caring yeah. about the oh, end yeah, result. You know, like, polarization is always a interesting topic with marketing because it works. Mm-hmm. But going back to what I said about before about being a doctor is you got to put yourself in a different position. And I don't like, um, I don't like overtly polarization mm-hmm. as a chiropractor. Like, long term, it's not a good Long term is tough. Yeah. Like, now, if you're point of view has supporting proof and evidence and it goes against the grain i'm okay with that but if it's just antics then that's where i draw the line as a doctor right mm-hmm. like i i would rather uh make a hundred fifty thousand a year than five hundred thousand a year and sleep at night right i'd rather make five hundred thousand dollars sleep at night too but, <laughs> well uh, but just I a think, nicer bed yeah just a nicer bed but i think that's the thing, and I and I and I do think I can give you counter examples of doctors doing it the right way, making just as much money, without they're just not as flashy, right? right. Like, because you got to look at it, right? Like, the the type of guy that's going to be the ring dinger is going to drive the Corvette that's got the ring dinger on the license plate, and is going to let you know how long his wait list is, versus the clinician like you, Brett, that's not going to talk about those things, but. We know you do fine. Like, your life's great, you know? Right, right. But you just have more substance around that. And right. So I don't want people to think that uh, the only way to, to to drive a Corvette with your, you know, license plate that's got your name on it is to do that. Right. Okay. So to, to kind of wrap this all up or yeah. kind of get into our hour, I'm going to give you one minute to, to uh, think about this. I want you to end with... The top three, either like three advices from for marketing for a chiropractor in our yeah. in our group, yeah. or maybe like uh, the the couple mistakes that people make, or like the big three advice that you give to people. Yeah. But to start with, if you're not subscribed to the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Podcast, mm-hmm. four years every single week yeah. that is like insane to me. Yeah. Uh, so it, it provides amazing content. He does great uh, just solo shows, and you have awesome, awesome guests. And then there was um, one episode that really stood out from all the others, but I won't. <laughs> That's the one you were on. Brett might have been on one. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I think uh, the the other two things is modernchiropracticmarketing.com. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be where you could get your group coaching information, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then the Chiropractic Success Academy. Uh, you and Bobby maybe uh, yeah. you have great people on the board. You have great just advice and stuff like that. So I just want to make sure that we yeah. give you your due diligence and uh and that but anyway Thank you. yeah um you know what you mentioned about the weekly podcast you don't have to do it weekly but i just knew like if i set the tone for my consistency i would follow it because mm. i just know like that's how i need to do things and so consistency is one of the big keys with marketing you just have to keep at it because mm-hmm. it's not going to bear fruit right away so you got to make sure you're doing that you really really got to get clear with who your audience is not everybody is your audience good marketing compels and repels okay mm-hmm. so it's a key thing is like you're going to repel some people and that's okay but you got to compel the right ones so get really clear on your audience 
And then what message is going to be very congruent with that audience? And if you stick with the consistency around that, you will position yourself as the go-to for whatever it is you want to do, right? Like we can all think of the different chiropractors or even non-chiropractors, like, you know, the great cooks and the Stu McGill's and all those. Like, we don't think of them as people that did marketing, but they did. Yeah, they're, they're actually magical marketers. Fuck, like the best. Yeah. Like I'll put them up against any of the ones we think of, like the Gary V's, right? Mm-hmm. Like where it's just like all marketing, where there's like more sizzle than steak. Right. Like a, a, these guys have really positioned themselves amazingly. And Brett, you've done a great job too because you you bring the table stakes to the to the game, which is the obviously the clinical but you do a really good job of positioning yourself as a particular expert. Like what does Stu McGill position himself as, right? Like he's the low back dude for sure. Gray's the movement guy. Like like there, you can do that in your community. You, and, and again, don't assume you're Stu McGill. Don't assume you're Gray Cook, right? right? But all we're asking you to do this is in like a five to seven mile radius, depending on where you're located. If it's near Manhattan, it's one mile. If you're in Troy, maybe it's 25 miles, right? <laughs> right. So that's all I'm asking you to do. Like, I, I think that's something we fail to realize is like, I'm not asking you to be this world known entity. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you to be positioned well in a five to seven mile radius to where people say, you know what? I've got a problem. That person seems to really know what they're talking about. They do it often. I trust them. I'm going to go see them. It's a, I think we fail to realize how big of a leap it is for Bob to realize he has a problem, for Bob to, to make the decision he's going to see someone, and for Bob to call your office. Right. We fail to realize how much of a leap that is. It's not going to happen automatically, and you got to do the right things to where Bob connects those dots and calls your office, comes in, has a great experience, and now he connects the dots for other people. Okay? Kevin, on that point, before you elaborate mm-hmm. on what you're talking about, what would be a great beginning action step? Because I'm telling you, 99% of the people who are, this is our world. I mean, no yep. one is doing a good job of what you're talking about mm-hmm. right now. So what would be, what's their first just initiation step? Like it's something this week to just put them out of their comfort zone. Are we talking Facebook? Are we talking Instagram? Or setting up a lecture in town? Like what, what how, how do we implement? Yeah, the easiest thing we do is, is to distribute some form of valuable content. And I say distribute because whether you create it or curate it, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just, for example, off the top of my head, you, you really want to work with golfers. Find a phenomenal article that is about golf and serves your audience that is congruent with what you do in your practice and email it out to your patients, right? Like that would be the easiest thing to do. Email your patients two to four times a, a month with valuable content that's gonna educate them. That's a very targeted audience, it's the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I would do that. And then I would start figuring out where's my unique creation skill? Some people are great writers, some people are great great on video, some people are good at public speaking, some people are good at audio like this. There's a lot of different mechanisms of getting that out there and figure out which one you think you're comfortable with and dive deep with that. Once you dive dive deep with that, you can start the offshoots of it and distribute through other channels. My my story about that is mm-hmm. initially when I started, I did all sorts of social media because yeah. I thought that's just what you did. Yeah, I wouldn't listen to my wife. I'm doing things <laughs> like that. And so what I soon realized is that I started doing Tuesdays with Taylor. Yeah. Well, on Tuesdays in a live video, I would get more play and more people would recognize me yep. during that week than if mm-hmm. I did a post with my picture on it, yeah. if I was on Twitter, if I went to Chamber, you know, anything like that. And so I, for three months straight, I did Tuesdays with Taylor. Yep. And so what I quickly realized is that in-person people like my energy, they like my yeah. face. And so then it was just, well, oh, I know, that was, 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 was a subtle blend. That was a subtle blend. But the reason I say that is, the reason I say that is, it wasn't terrible. But the reason I say that is, like, then I was like, oh, shit, like, okay, so, like, if I do in-person stuff face-to-face, and then, 
all face space stuff. Now I can just eliminate yep. it. 75% of the bullshit that I didn't like doing anyways. And now social media became a lot easier. So I think to your point of like figuring out where exactly where you yeah. do the best and then eliminate all the crap. Yeah. Some people question me on the MCM side of things. I joke around. The worst thing about naming your company's modern chiropractic marketing is they expect me to be on like TikTok and yeah. Snapchat and have nudes and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> It, modern chiropractic marketing for me is just like it, it stands a test of time mm -hmm. and do what really is working and so I don't do a mm. lot of video for MCM um, not that there's anything wrong with it's great mm -hmm. but I've hit such a home run with a podcast that I've just dove deep with that and then I've got some you know I got the email and we got the other things that are working with it so I've just stuck with that and then we'll we'll grow as we as we go about it but yeah find the thing that's working and Video is really hard to beat. It's the hardest thing to do. That's why not as many people do it. But it's also why people respect it the most. And it has that, uh, I think they call it parasocial effect, mm -hmm. where it's like, do you guys feel like you know Brad Pitt? Like, probably. Like, you yeah. feel like, I know Brad Pitt. Like, if you saw me, like, dude, I know so many. Like, you were the best in that. Like, you feel like you know Brad Pitt. He doesn't know you. Right. It's called parasocial effect, where it's like, you've seen him on TV so much, like, you feel like you know who Brad Pitt is. Right. Just so you know, a better example would be Jennifer Aniston for that. Exactly. But, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because well, you're dreaming about her, but that's, <laughs> that's uh, but and that's what what's what video does, and it's mm -hmm. actually what podcasting does because it actually gives you an intimacy level mm -hmm. that they Breaks don't down walls. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes doctors put themselves on pedestals, mm -hmm. not on purpose, but sometimes, or the other people put you on a pedestal. But if you can be a person to them. And video and audio does that, where they can say, I, I kind of feel like I know Taylor on, you know, and that's good. And like, so they, they start to build that know, like, and trust without even being patient of you. And it makes that leap where I talked about connecting the dots from I've got a problem to where I need to call that office. The video speeds it up, right? Mm -hmm. Or if it's a podcasting is hard in the community for getting patients. Like, I don't know if it's the best thing for everybody. Some people can do it. But in the sake of like what I do for this and what just all does, like, that's a great way of connecting those dots for people mm -hmm. to like, to really buy into what you're doing. And the reason I say they like my face is because every single week I'd put one out, I'd get 15 screenshots of my dumbass faces that would be on yeah. there. <laughs> you know, like the well, stupid no, just, face expressions. But a good lesson on It's a no like and trust thing. Like yeah, people want to yeah. see you like, yeah. okay, he's a real dude. Yeah. Like, like that's he, what he, he messes up. Yeah. He We know you're not good looking. So yeah, we know exactly. what you know. But he's enthusiastic. <laughs> he's, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then the other thing too, and I think this is important for like in practice in general, like, you got to smile. Yes. I mean, like, you know, people yeah. want to be around people who are yeah. in a relatively good mood and, you know, enjoy mm -hmm. what they're doing. So, I mean, I think a lot of chiropractors make a mistake. And um, we talked to Gray about this, which is you have being a great chiropractor. Then you have this, like, other side of it that no one talks about, which is literally 50% of it. Yeah. These are all the intangibles yes. that no one talks about. Uh, your personality, your charm, your sense yeah. of humor, your empathy, all these things that make great healers. Stu McGill's a great coach. Greg yeah. Cook's a great coach. Annie O'Connor is very empathetic. Um, Pebble Collage is just majestic in the way that he, you know, is going to talk to the patient mm -hmm. and, you know, be allured with, with, with how good he is. So everybody's kind of got their own thing. Yeah. And yeah. it takes a second, I always say, there will never be another Elvis Presley. And when people try to be Elvis, it never uh, looks real good, you know. So good. you got to, like, kind of find your own. Yeah. I, I I agree, and it's finding that and and, and running with it for sure. I right, totally agree. I think that's a great stopping point. If I could take like just one thing for people to maybe take mm -hmm. away from this conversation, it'd be get real with who you are. Yeah. Uh, get real with you know not trying to be Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. If you suck at doing videos, yeah. find another way to market. Yep, you know yep. like that, and that's totally fine. You don't have to be the next TikTok star to build mm -hmm. a practice and to blow yep. things up. You know you can be. Uh, a normal human being that is just mm -hmm. conversational and, and talks about football and stuff with yep. people that, oh, by the way, I also am a pretty decent clinician. Yep. And Absolutely. so find what you're really good at and then explode it from there and be consistent. I think that's one thing that you, you spoke on it, but I don't think it gets spoken enough. It's yep. like, just be consistent. If you say that you're going to show up somewhere, show up. Right. Because half the battle is just showing up. I mean, Brett, you kind of taught me that with, with chamber meetings and rotary and stuff like that. Like, you may not get a patient today, yeah. but two years down the road when that person oh, runs into a, a, yeah. a situation or their daughter breaks their arm and they need help or you know stuff like that, like that's where you can be the clinician, the doctor that you want to be. Yeah. Or to me, to the people out there, to me, life is a tryout. Like mm -hmm. I'm always looking at everyone around me, not for what I'm going to do tomorrow, but like yeah. three years from now when we start a new venture, I'm like paying attention like, 
okay, this person's kind of a turd here, so I got to watch this. Yeah. Or, dude, this person is just crushing everything. Yeah. So I think like just understanding when no one's looking, still do an amazing job would be another good point. And I wanted to kind of finish it with Kevin. Besides being a good friend, I think Kevin, if you can just imagine a Venn diagram right now, you have one of the circles is like this great clinical beast that Kevin Christie is. And then the other circle is this new, this new Kevin Christie, who's like yeah. teaching all of us how to market better for the modern day contemporary chiropractor. Mm -hmm. And then you have that beautiful overlap that people in your world don't have. So like you're, you're offering a unique skill that no one else has because you're bringing both sides to the table. No, so I just like to say I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that too. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Rock and roll. The TP, right? Total package. Total package. <laughs> total, total package. New total package. Don't tell Mark King. Yeah. There's a new total package in town. Learned, learned a lot of lessons in the long way. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, I think if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, Every damn guest that we've had seems like it's been linked by Motion Palpation Institute. Yeah. I mean, it is just like to a damn T. Yeah, it saved my career. Yeah, I, was... I mean, every one of us, every it seems like every every other person we have on this podcast, they had that moment where they walked into MPI Club. So if any students are listening, you're not going to MPI Club or the the seminars, get your ass there and. Uh, from there, I mean, holy what a great course. DNS weekend too. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. I appreciate you guys coming here. I know it's a it's a long trip. There's not a lot of fun in South Florida. <laughs> South Beach sucks, uh, but you know it's it's I been raining the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> no, a shitty weather. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. have food poisoning from all the seafood, and <laughs> I love it. Okay, guys, well, uh, stay consistent. Uh, be good marketers in every single day, and uh, seek out people like Kevin that are willing to to help. Yes, it costs money. But good lord, if you could, if you can pay someone to help you with these things that are roadblocks, uh, the wealth will be on the other side. Oh, for sure. So, um, good luck on Monday. Keep crushing patience. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Salt Education Show. Uh, if you liked it, share it, subscribe to it, uh, send it to your friends, send it to someone that needs to hear this message. Uh, we really want everyone to be able to, to tune in and, and get the, the best clinical advice that they can, which uh, we're hoping that we're giving to you with these special guests. So um, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Or if you have any suggestions on upcoming uh, conversations, let us know. Uh, for a list of our upcoming courses, we're adding them all the dang time. So go to gestaltedu.com, click on courses, and they'll all be right there for you. All right, have a good day.